But we're in a message series called Need Direction. We're talking about how we can better know and follow God's will for our lives. God wants you to know his will. And sometimes we think that God is holding his will back, that he, he doesn't want us to know, but God wants us to know his will for our lives. He wants to guide our decisions in life. Now, as believers, each of us acknowledges that Jesus is Lord. And what that means is that we go to Jesus for direction in life. He is the one that calls the shots in our lives. He is the one that, that we go to and consult with for every decision in life. And when we make our decisions on our own, without consulting with our Lord, without consulting with Jesus Christ, then we get into trouble. I'd like us to watch a video about God's guidance this morning called The Guide. The Bible is full of scriptures, of promises, of God's guidance for us, of God's direction for us. One of the scriptures mentioned in the video is Isaiah 30, verse 21. I'd like to encourage you to take out the white page in your bulletins. Uh, the white page has the scriptures written out and uh, the outline. You can follow along there on the back are some study questions that follow along with the topic of today's message that you can do on your own. Isaiah 30 verse 20, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. And that voice behind us is the voice of the Lord. As we come to forks in the road where we have a choice, should I go left, should I go right? We don't have to make our own decisions. We need to listen to the voice behind us. The voice of God saying, this is the right way. This is the path to take. This is the way I've destined you to go. And we take that turn and God will bless us as we follow his direction. But we need to have ears to hear that voice behind us. God speaks in a soft, quiet voice. And we need to have ears to hear that voice. Today we're going to be talking about difficult decisions. God wants to guide us, but oftentimes we have decisions to make in life that may be difficult. Now, last Sunday we talked about four main ways that God guides us. I'm going to go over those again. Actually, I don't have them written out, so you might want to jot them down. But in order of importance, the first way that God guides us is through His Word, through the Bible. That's our most important guide. Whatever decision we make in life must be in keeping with the principles of God's Word. And so let's keep that in mind as we go through the message today. Number one is God's Word. Number two is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. God sent His Holy Spirit to guide us. God sent His Holy Spirit to help us make decisions. And the Holy Spirit, the voice within us, the Holy Spirit dwells within every believer, can speak to us and tell us the direction to go. First is God's Word. Second is the Holy Spirit. Third is guidance from godly counsel, from the counsel of other believers or Christian leaders. We talk to other people, and from their wisdom, from their years of experience, from them listening to God, they can give us godly counsel in our lives. Number four is the particular circumstances of the situation we're in. Uh, we'll just leave that as that. So the four main ways that God guides us. Now, Decisions can become difficult when these ways of guidance appear to conflict with one another. Or when we introduce other ways of guidance. We're going to talk about when they conflict as we go on the message tonight. But other ways of guidance can get us in trouble. Some people are guided by their emotions. 
what do I want to do? What do I feel good about? Those type of things. And that can get you in trouble. It's, our emotions are not reliable guides, and we're going to see that today in the passage. Other people are guided by ungodly counsel, people who aren't following God, people who don't have the principles of God deeply ingrained in their lives, and they listen to other voices, and they get in trouble that way by listening to ungodly, ungodly counsel. Other times we have our hearts set on wanting to do a certain thing. And we have a decision before us, and should I go right, should I go left? I really want to go right, God. That's the right way to go, isn't it? This is what I want. Please don't say left because I want right. And so we're not in neutral at all. And if God is saying left, it's like, oh, that can't be God. Whatever I'm hearing, that can't be God because right is the way I want to go. Well, if we have a preset agenda when we ask God the question, we may get in trouble because our desires must be submitted to God's will. And so in order to follow God's direction, when we have a decision, we must put our will, as I say, in neutral. Our will must be in neutral. We say, God, whatever you want. If you want me to go right, if you want me to go left, whatever your will is, I want to go in that direction. I want to set my desires to follow your desires. And there are times when our desires will conflict with God's desires. And those are the times we need to submit to God's will and God's desires. The classic example in the life of Jesus is when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Immediately before he was going to die on the cross for our sins. And so he was in the garden. It says he fell with his face to the ground. Matthew 26, 39, he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. In other words, Jesus was saying, I don't want to be nailed to a cross. That's the cup of suffering. That's the cup of pain that's before me. If it's possible, take it away from me. I don't want to go through this. But then he said, yet not as I will. What Jesus wanted to do was not to go through it. But he said, as you will. I will submit my will to your will. And so in the same way, our will must be submitted to God's will when we have difficult decisions to make in life. Many times, as in Jesus' life, God's will for our lives involves suffering. Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. Ew. You know you were in for that? I like the believing part. I like going to heaven part. But what's this suffering part? I, maybe, maybe I... We can cross that out. No, it's in the Bible. Just as Jesus himself suffered to bring us salvation, so we also need to be prepared to embrace suffering when it's God's will in order to fulfill our purpose in life. Now today we're going to look at an interesting example from the life of Paul. And the background to our story is that Paul had just finished a very fruitful season of ministry in the city of Ephesus. But God was calling him to leave this uh, this place where everything was going wonderfully. Many people were being saved. He was teaching all kinds of people. Everything was going right. God was calling him to make a difficult decision to travel to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was not really a safe place for Christians. There had been a lot of persecution there. The Christians had been scattered uh, across the, the whole uh, Asia Minor. 
The Jews there were very antagonistic to the gospel. And yet, we're going to see how Paul made this very difficult decision. We're going to learn some principles from his life that are going to help us make difficult decisions. Especially when some of the ways that God guides seems to be in conflict. So first of all, we need to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. Now you can read the, the whole stories in Acts chapter 20 and 21. We're going to kind of skip around in these two chapters to, to focus on Paul uh, being guided by God, Paul making these difficult decisions, and uh, some of the, the, uh, the messages that Paul gave to different towns and different people. We're going to skip over those, but if you want to get the whole picture, you can read that. Acts 20.22 20, says, and Paul is speaking here, he says, Now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Now, we all want to know what's going to happen, right? If God tells us to go somewhere, we want to know what's going to happen. And here Paul, one of the greatest apostles, didn't know what was going to happen. But he says he felt compelled by the Spirit. In other words, he sensed the Holy Spirit's voice speaking to him and saying, you need to go to Jerusalem. It's not an, it was not a suggestion. It was not an option. He was compelled. God was commanding him. God was directing him to go to Jerusalem at that time. Now, Paul could have searched the whole Old Testament scriptures. He could have searched everything that Jesus ever said. And he wouldn't have found one verse that would have told him whether to go to Jerusalem or not. Because that was very specific guidance. And when we go through life, there are many things that the Bible does not give us specific guidance on. We see many times in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit speaks to people and gives them guidance as to the direction they are to go. Now, I might add here that some people read the book of Acts as simply a, a history book. These are things that happened in the early church and they don't directly apply to us today. The things that God did back then, he no longer does today. But this view is not correct. The book of Acts, as well as the whole rest of the Bible, was written to teach us about God. To teach us how God guides people, how we ought to be guided by God, the ways that God guides, how do we relate to him. And so the take-home lesson is that the Holy Spirit still guides people today just in the same way that God shows us in the book of Acts. And so Paul indicates that he was compelled by the Spirit. It was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to fulfill God's plan for his life. God had a plan for his life. God has a plan for your life. And in order for Paul to fulfill that plan, he needed to go to Jerusalem. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but he did know that was the place the Holy Spirit was guiding him. As we follow the Holy Spirit's guidance, we need to listen to the Spirit's warnings. Verse 23, Paul continues and says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And so not only was Paul guided by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, he was also being warned by the Spirit. As Paul was on his journey from Ephesus to Jerusalem, he was passing through different cities in Asia Minor, and the Holy Spirit was warning him of what was to come. We're going to see some specific examples in a few minutes. Now for some people, this would appear to be a contradiction. How can the Holy Spirit 
be compelling Paul to go to Jerusalem and at the same time warning him of prison and hardships that are going to face him there. But as we'll see as we go through this passage, God's will for our lives often will involve suffering of various kinds. And if we simply want to avoid all suffering in our lives, we're not going to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. In the Holy Spirit's warnings to Paul, they were not meant to dissuade him from his mission. They were meant to prepare him for what was going to happen in the future so he wouldn't be surprised. God didn't tell Paul everything that was going to happen, but he told him enough to prepare him. And so, what was Paul's response to the being compelled by the Spirit, to being warned by the Spirit? Well, Paul was determined to complete God's task. Verse 24, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task. You might want to underline the words, complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the message or the gospel of God's grace. And so Paul understood the Holy Spirit was warning him, but he, he was determined to complete the task that God had given him, the mission that God had for his life. He didn't try to escape suffering. He didn't want to take the easy road. His focus was on finishing the race of life, completing his mission from God. Oftentimes, Paul writes of the race of life. You know, we begin the race when we're born or when we become saved really when we're born again and we complete the race when we go home to be with the Lord in heaven and along that way God has things for us to do and we need to complete our mission the race of life now through his journey to Jerusalem Paul was going to be given the opportunity to testify to the gospel before kings and uh, authorities he would eventually be taken to the city of Rome uh, in which he would continue to to uh, spread the gospel to important, influential people there. And so Paul was determined to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance in his life. Now let's look a little more closely at how these principles apply to our lives. As we said before, for many practical decisions in life, you can't find a verse in the Bible that's going to tell you, should I take this job or that job? You can't find a verse in the Bible that tells you, should I marry this person or that person? Or should I all kinds of specific decisions we have to make. And so for those decisions, as for Paul's decision, whether to go to Jerusalem or not, we need to rely on other forms of guidance. So remember the first form of guidance were the principles of God's word. Anybody remember what was the second form of guidance that we talked about? The Holy Spirit. And so the most powerful form of specific guidance after God's word is the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see specific guidance through the Holy Spirit coming in a number of ways. One of the ways is just the Holy Spirit speaking to the spirit of a person and them comprehending or understanding the spirit was speaking to them and guiding them. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, whether in the book of Acts or today, in general, people don't hear an audible voice. Hey, some people get kind of freaked out. Oh, you're hearing voices. I've never heard the Holy Spirit speak in an audible voice where I thought he was in the room. That's possible, but it doesn't happen very often. You know, very few people have heard audible voices. It's just something you sense inside. 
you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And sometimes it can be very specific. There's times where I can write out what I believe is the exact sentence the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. It can be very specific guidance. In the book of Acts, we see specific guidance coming through prophecy. That is where the Holy Spirit speaks to person A, and he tells person B what the Holy Spirit said to him. That is called prophecy. Specific guidance comes in the book of Acts through dreams and visions, where God speaks to people when they're asleep or through a vision. There's even times when God spoke to people through angels. Angels visited people. God's used all these forms of guidance throughout history, not just in the book of Acts. We see those forms all the way through the Old Testament. We see them all the way through the New Testament. And we see them down through history even to this day. And so remember, when we're facing important decisions in life, if the Bible doesn't give clear guidance, pray and ask God to guide you through the Holy Spirit. And if you ask and believe, He will, because God's Word promises that He will guide us and lead us. He wants us to know His will. Next, we need to weigh godly counsel. That was the third form of guidance. Guidance from uh, other believers. Let's jump over to Acts 21, verse 4. It says, Finding some disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go, to Jerus not to go on to Jerusalem. And so as Paul was traveling towards Jerusalem, he came to the town of Tyre. And the believers there are called disciples. Every believer in Jesus Christ is a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, you're a disciple. And so believers, not just the tw some people think it's just the 12. No, every believer in the book of Acts is called a disciple. Every believer is a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. And these disciples, they urged Paul, it says, through the Spirit, not to go to Jerusalem. Now on the surface, again, this appears to be a contradiction, doesn't it? On one hand, the Holy Spirit is compelling Paul to go to Jerusalem. On the other hand, these people are urging Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now I don't do this very often, but there's times you have to look at the Greek uh, to really understand what the Bible is saying. The Greek word translated through here in this verse uh, through the Spirit, they urged Paul, is the word dia. can be translated through. It can be also be translated on account of. And I think on account of fits much better here. The sentence would then read, on account of the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. And so what is going on here is the Holy Spirit was showing these disciples that Paul was going to face hardship. He was going to face imprisonment. He was going to face suffering. And what did they do? They jump to the conclusion, don't go. We love you, Paul. We don't want you to have to go through these things. And so they began to urge him not to go because of the revelation they'd received from the Holy Spirit of what was going to happen. And so the revelation that they received uh, was correct, but their interpretation of how they should direct Paul, the counsel they were to give Paul, as we'll see, was not correct. And so here we have a contradiction uh, between two forms of guidance. The Holy Spirit is compelling Paul to go. We have guidance number two. We have guidance number three. Disciples, believers, godly people are saying don't go. What should Paul do? Well, let's see what he did. Verse five. He said, when our time was up, 
at Tyre, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. What did Paul do? He ignored their counsel. And he continued on his way. He was following the Spirit's direct guidance. He understood, this had been happening to him in every city, that he was going to face some very difficult times in Jerusalem. But he was determined to go on despite these warnings. He understood that although the Spirit was warning him, the Spirit was still directing him to continue on his mission to Jerusalem. So let's think about how this applies to us today. First of all, we need to be open to hearing the Spirit's direction from, uh, from any source. Whether God's speaking to us directly through prophecy from another person or through dreams or visions, we need to learn to listen to godly counsel from other believers, from leaders in the church. People often make decisions without really listening to the Spirit or speaking to other people. And important decisions, God wants us to get guidance. Now, if the, what the Holy Spirit, we feel the Holy Spirit is saying to us and godly counsel agree, that's a green light. That's a green light to go forward. Of course, we're assuming the decision is in accordance with God's Word, the principles of God's Word. But if you believe the Holy Spirit is saying one thing and people you know who are believers are saying something else, then you've got a difficult decision if they're in contradiction. And of course, there are two possibilities. Either your interpretation of what the Spirit is saying is wrong, and that is possible. The Holy Spirit will never say anything wrong, but we might hear it a little wrong sometimes. We might kind of want Him to say something, and we kind of make up some things. Or what others are counseling you is wrong. The Holy Spirit, what you're hearing is right, and what somebody else is saying is not right as in the case we had with Paul. Now, there's no easy answer here. You just need to continue to seek God until you have a peace about moving forward, until you're sure which, which one is right. Now, sometimes the best course is just to put your plan on hold, if that's possible, until you're clear what direction to go. Sometimes you're hearing conflicting guidance. It's, you really should just wait. And not step out until you're sure which way God is leading you. I say Life Church exists because uh, Carol and I followed the Spirit's leading, even though we had from certain leaders. Well, sometimes you have mixed counsel, okay? You can have godly counsel from multiple people, and some say one thing and some say something else. And when we began this church a number of years ago, there was some leaders were saying don't, and some leaders were saying yes. And so we had to decide. We weigh carefully counsel from other believers and follow the Spirit's leading. And as we do, we need to be prepared for suffering. Jump down in Acts 21 to verse 10. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And so Paul traveled from Tyre to a town called Caesarea. In Caesarea, he stayed with Philip. Philip was evangelist. The Bible tells, him, tells us he had four daughters who prophesied. Uh, so clearly, 
there were a number of people who prophesied besides the apostles in the book of Acts. And while at Caesarea, a prophet named Agabus, who was not one of the twelve, came to see Paul. If we read earlier in Acts, Agabus had prophesied that a famine was coming and the church should prepare for it. And uh, the church prepared, the famine came. And so he was a true prophet of, of God. And so Agabus prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul would be imprisoned in Jerusalem and handed over to the Gentiles, which really is what ultimately happened. <clears throat> he was taken into captivity in Jerusalem, and ultimately he was transferred via ship uh, to Rome and put in a Roman prison. Now what was going on here? Why was Agabus prophesying these things about Paul? Well, the Spirit was again preparing Paul for the suffering that he was going to endure on his mission for God. You see, this prophecy is a little more specific about what is going to happen to him. And so when God prepares somebody for future hardships, we must be careful not to be swayed by emotion. Verse 12 and 13 says, And when we heard this, the prophecy of Agabus, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Of course, Acts is being written by Luke. And so Luke includes himself here. He was traveling with Paul. And the disciples there, they loved Paul. Luke loved him. And Luke was a very important person. And they didn't want him to have to be bound and handed over to the Gentiles. They didn't want those things to have to happen. And so they began pleading with Paul not to go to Jerusalem again. The same thing that had happened to him before. It says their weeping had an effect on Paul. It says it broke his heart. And he understood that many of these people he might never see again because of God's plans for his life. He didn't know if he would live or if he would meet his end in Jerusalem. And yet he was resolute. He was not swayed by his own emotions. He was not swayed by the emotions of these believers in Caesarea. He was determined to follow God's plan, even if it meant that he would face death in Jerusalem. Now we know, as I've said before, he didn't die in Jerusalem. He was ultimately imprisoned in Rome, and he was able to preach the gospel be highly effective there, even in prison. But rather than being swayed by emotion, we must learn to trust in the Lord's will. Verse 14 says, When he, that's Paul, would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. And so the people's emotions didn't change Paul's determination to follow God's will. And so finally the people submitted themselves to the, the will of the Lord for Paul's life and mission. The Lord's will is not the easiest road to travel. The Lord's will is not the path of least resistance. It's not the path of the least amount of discomfort. But the Bible tells us the Lord's will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And so the Lord's will for Paul's life, the Lord's will for our lives, is the very best life we could possibly have. And so we want to follow that will. So in these verses, we've seen how emotion can mislead people 
and keep them from following God's will. When we come to seek God's will in difficult decisions, we must not be misled by our own emotions or by the emotions of those around us. We must put our will in neutral and simply seek for God's will to be done. Submit our will to God's will just as Jesus did. And as we see, often some form of suffering is part of God's plan for our lives. If we simply seek to avoid suffering, we're going to miss God's will. God's will is always the best. It's the best for you. It's the best for those you love. And it's the best for the kingdom of God. And so today we've looked at some of the principles that can help us in making difficult decisions. We need to learn to hear the Spirit's voice and to follow whatever He says in order to complete the tasks that God has for us to do. There are times when our emotions get in the way and maybe we don't want to do what we feel the Spirit is doing or maybe those we love don't want us to go in that direction. But as we trust in the Lord's will, as we're prepared to even go through some hard times, God will help us to find the right path. He'll help us to go in the right direction. And I pray that God would help each of us in following his plan for our lives. Now to hear God speaking to you, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to begin a relationship with him or to recommit your life. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'd encourage you to pray along with me. If you're not sure if you're a believer or you would like to recommit your life, say something like this. Father, today I admit I've sinned in my life. I have not followed your direction. I haven't been listening to you. I've been simply doing what I wanted to do. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins, my selfish ways might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow your plan and your purpose for my life. Help me to walk with you all my days. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would help us to make decisions honoring to him. Father, we thank you for the lessons that you've taught us today. The lessons about making difficult decisions. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given to be our counselor, to be our guide, to give us specific direction for the paths that we need to take in our lives. Help us to be determined to complete your mission for us and not just do what we want to do. Help us to determine to follow you no matter the cost or the hardship. Forgive us, God, for sometimes wanting to take the easy road, for sometimes wanting to, to take a detour around any suffering or hardship. And help us to follow in your example. Help us to encourage one another to trust in and follow your will. Help us to give godly counsel to those who are struggling with decisions in life. Give us wisdom. Help each of us to better hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would help this church, help Life Church, 
to be used to teach your truth, God, to more and more people in the St. Louis area and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.